When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What do you hear when you stop and listen to what's happening inside your head? Do you hear thoughts? Music? Do you rehearse conversations you're about to have? Or do you run over conversations you've already had? Why didn't I say to him, Well, if you're so sure, why don't you do it? That's what I should have said. Or, Do I want a cup of tea? Mm, I do, but I've probably had enough tea already today. That's the kind of riveting stuff going on in my head. Do you ever hear voices in your head? Voices that seem distinct and real? Or does that just sound mad to you? On this morning in Dublin City University, on the north side of Dublin... Here we are. Here we are. I'm going to a training about hearing voices from mental health professionals, and I'm wondering what on earth it's going to be like. So uh, it's a mixed group. We've got nurses, psychologists, OTs, social workers, and of course people with lived experience. So it's a really, really nice mixed group. Jackie Dillon is an expert on hearing voices, and she's over from London to give a three-day course. Morning. Morning. Hi there. You could say Jackie has had a long journey to Ireland. Her parents left Cork for London in a wave of emigration in the 1960s, and it's only through her work that she's reconnected with Ireland. But Jackie is not just an academic here to tell these professionals how to treat people who hear voices. I'm a voice hearer. Yeah, I'm a voice hearer. I literally have different voices that speak to me. I hear the voices of men, of women, of children, um, of babies. Um, And they speak to me and speak to each other about me and about what's happening around me. Sometimes if I'm busy or preoccupied I can hear them sort of it's almost like they're sitting at the back of my head or sitting behind me and talking to each other um but yeah they're they're as real as your voice is to me and how many of them are there many over a hundred sometimes they have to identify themselves particularly voices that I haven't heard for a while but if I ask them who are you um they will tell me you know, they may have conversations with each other, and but I may not hear them. Um, and sometimes voices will speak on behalf of other voices that may be more confident. Would you hear them every day? Oh, yeah. All the time. So are you hearing them now? Yep. Have they anything to say? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're sort of... I guess they they inform my answers to you. So when I pause, they may be saying, and this... And you could mention that. Um, and one of them saying, don't forget about me. <laughs> I'd always thought that hearing voices meant that you were having a horribly distressed and disturbing time. Jackie's voices sound like real people. People with names and personalities and opinions. 
Some people hear one or two voices. Um, I met a woman recently who told me she hears hundreds of voices, almost like groups of voices and a whole kind of hierarchy of gods and spirits and a whole range of different voices. So I think there can be real commonalities of experience, but of course, like all of us, each experience is utterly unique. I guess for me, they were always there. They, they were always a part of my experience. And I think the first time I really realised that other people didn't have that experience was at school. I remember talking to a girl in the playground and sort of saying, you know, like the, you know those voices that you hear, and she gave me this kind of strange look, like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, I was a smart kid, so I realised, oh, right, you don't talk about that. Estimates vary, but it's said that up to 10% of the population hear voices. But very few people are comfortable talking about it. Traditionally, it's been considered a symptom of mental illness. Jackie is willing to give me an insight into her extraordinary experiences. So over the next few days, I'm going to spend quite a lot of time with her. And together, we're going to try something unusual to get a sense of what it sounds like inside her head. So it's 7.30. Leanne has asked me to... um, record what my voices are saying when I wake up. Um, So let's have a listen and see who's there this morning. Um, Well, there's some some of the adults talking about the training that I'm doing today, reminding me not to forget my notes. Um, Some other voices are talking about my daughter wondering if she's getting herself up and ready for school back in London. There's some other voices that are feeling a little bit vulnerable this morning. And there's some other voices just reassuring them and saying, and, oh, somebody's singing. It's quite noisy in there this morning. I think that's probably a reflection of how busy I am at the moment. Busy working mum, trying to juggle lots of different things. When I'm away from my children, sometimes I think because I feel guilty about being away from them and I miss them when I wake up in the morning can feel a bit wobbly really and some of the the voices are sort of expressing my my guilt and my yeah am I missing them really but the great mother is saying that my children know they're loved and that they they are fine and that I'm fine And it's going to be a good day today, I think. We shall see. For someone who hears voices, Jackie is in the unusual position of being a widely respected expert in the field. She works with some of the top psychiatrists in the area. She's trained mental health professionals in the NHS and all over the world. And she's also published some core academic texts on the subject. 
Back in DCU, people from all over Ireland have come to take part in her three-day course. Um, Okay, so we're going to get straight on with it. What I'd like to do first this morning is is an exercise that we do a lot within the Hearing Voices movement, really, to give people the chance to experience what it's like to hear voices. So um, it's a role play, everyone, I'm afraid. (laughs) So what I'd like you to do is to get into groups of four. For those people who hear voices, um, you can either be one of the voices or you can sit this one out if you prefer to, because sometimes voice hearers don't like to be the voices and sometimes voice hearers do like to be the voices. So I'll let people decide themselves what, what feels okay. But so essentially what you're going to do, you're going to get into groups of four and you're going to be going for a job interview. So one person's going to be going for a job interview, the other person's going to be the interviewer, and then the other two people are going to stand behind the person going for the job interview and whisper sweet nothings in their ear. And really the purpose of this is to um, have an experience of, of hearing voices. Evelyn, good morning. Thanks for coming along this morning. Now, as you can imagine, in this recession, there's a number of people who've applied for the position. Tell me what you have that's particularly special that you can offer our company. Well, I've actually got quite a lot of experience in the area already, do you know, and I've done kind of various relevant training courses as well. Tell me about the last training course. The last training course that I did was a management uh, course, yeah, so um, I did that at the Management Institute. Shut up. Um, which I found, yes, in Dublin, yeah, which I found, like, really stimulating and, um, Management. Yeah, yeah, no, I just, I just got a little bit distracted. Yeah, sorry, apologies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you all need to have a go. Yes. Yeah. So, it's fascinating. I don't know how anybody would think straight with all that going on. Oh, I know. It's it's a good exercise to give them a sense of. Because what, what, you know, what the research shows is that there are these different phases to voice hearing and when people's voices start, it's often this very startling experience. Um, and actually what my work's about is actually helping people get to a phase of trying to organise the experience and make sense of the experience, but they're having this very startling experience. And I think this exercise really gives people a sense of what it feels like. Um, my name is Deirdre and um, I'm a mental health nurse and with regard to the role played this morning I felt that I was quite distracted whilst undergoing the role play with the voices and uh, I felt quite threatened by them. The loss of control I felt was most apparent. And do you think it's given you, um, would you, would you be different now with someone presenting as a voice hearer? Um, absolutely, it gave me far more uh, empathy with what they might have to experience in everyday life and in stressful situations. Many of the healthcare professionals on the course have been working with people who hear voices for decades. But this simple role play is the first time they've really got a sense of what it might be like to actually hear voices. I'm a lecturer in psychotherapy at TCU. Um, And just with regard to the uh, exercise this morning, I found it really insightful, actually. Um, It gave me a kind of a sense of what it's like for people to hear voices. 
uh, which really I, I thought was um, it was an excellent exercise and it's something that I would encourage people to use with colleagues and uh, students in my case um, just to give them a kind of a sense of the whole experience of hearing voices. It's Jackie's particular experience as a voice hearer that has given her the ability to deliver the training so effectively. And there's something really striking about watching someone who would traditionally have been considered mad having such an impact on these people who work in psychiatric settings. My name's Sandra, I'm a mental health nurse and I didn't realise how frightening it would be to experience voices and I'd never undertaken an exercise such as that before. And it was absolutely terrifying and distracting beyond belief and it's really helped me to understand what some of my patients over the years have gone through and to empathise with them a lot more and really try and get in, into their skin and understand what they're feeling and just how frightening that is for them. One of the things I'm learning about voices is that for some people, they're a constant presence. Joining Jackie for lunch, I wonder, am I just having lunch with her, or are there a whole host of unseen people there? For example, when you look a little bit distracted, are you, are you hearing voices? I mean, I don't know. Like, if I look a bit distracted, I'm usually kind of thinking, did I forget something earlier? But if you're looking distracted, does it mean that you're still tuning into a whole other dialogue that I'm not yeah. aware of? Yeah. And, um, and I guess, yeah, you may experience it as, did I forget something earlier? And one of my voices might say, did you forget that earlier? And then another one might say, no, 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 she sorted that out, don't worry, she, she's dealt with that. So um, actually, they, yeah, when I'm looking distracted, I'm listening to them. I mean, actually, they help me lead a very, very busy life. I guess, yeah, I mean, those sort of the different parts of me, I think of them as different parts, different voices, different aspects. Do any of them have anything particular that they'd like to get out there? Well, actually, one of my child voices has just said um, that, you know, they feel that their influence in my life is that I'm quite playful, which I think is true. Um, so when I feel them close to me, I can. they've got kind of different energy as well. So, for example, when that child voice just came up, I felt this kind of, like, burst of energy, you know, this, like, little burst of light inside and that voice comes forward and then I guess if there's a voice that's maybe more sad there's a different kind of energy so it's not just the voice it's a kind of you know you feel it in your body as well there's a kind of physiological um, sense of it as well. Is that something that would traditionally have been associated with split personality for example is that is that the kind of phraseology that would have been used in the past? Uh, by some people um, and you know some people would talk about uh, multiple personalities uh, schizophrenia I mean I think there's lots of different ways that it's been conceptualized none of which I actually find particularly helpful um, for me it's it's much more just about that these are different aspects of me and that's just who I am and I remember one of my, my voices used to say it's a bit like we're a kind of corporation you know, with different kind of departments and dealing with different things. Um, I mean, it's it's like having, yeah, a whole other world, really. It feels like a whole other world inside of me, so it's, it's quite hard to explain it, really. It's so hard to imagine what it's actually like that Jackie and I decide to go into a studio with some professional actors and to do our best to recreate what it sounds like inside her head. Jackie hears up to a hundred different voices. Some are male, 
some are female, and they're all ages, from babies upwards. Some sing, some are fantastic organisers who take charge of practical matters, and one is a voice who has been with Jackie since she was three, the great mother who holds boundless love and compassion. You are able for this. I believe in you. <laughs> what do you think, Jackie? Maybe a little bit softer. Okay. But good. No, it's, it's yeah. It was, it was nice. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. No, I did. Need to smile or something. Yeah. So maybe she's... smile. Actually, mm, that yeah, might was a bit... sort of yeah. Mm. So a kind of string of reassuring sentences and. And I guess how you might talk to a, an ang- a young, anxious child, really, even okay, though it, yeah, she's more. saying it to a woman. Mm. All will be well. I love you. Any feedback, Jackie? That much more like it. Okay. You are a wonderful woman. You are able for this. Often the voices have discussions amongst themselves, addressing each other rather than Jackie. Yeah, we must get some milk on the way home. Okay. Um, is there anything in the fridge for dinner? Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Or oh, I could do yeah. the glass of wine. What about you? Yeah, I'm tired. Yeah, we must book those th- theatre tickets. I'd really like to take the girls to see that play. That okay. kind of thing. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so we'll just keep going at the end we'll of this, will we? With the same voices. So we'll start again from the top and then we'll keep yeah. going. Yeah. We need to book a hotel for that work trip to Wales. Oh, no, don't worry, I've already done that. But we do have to confirm the title of the keynote speech. OK, we'll do that tomorrow before lunch, then. What about train tickets? We did that last week. Yeah. Yeah, did that sound like... Yeah. Great. And, Jackie, I just remembered, one of the times we were talking, you said that one of the voices sings messages to you. Yeah. <laughs> so, can you give us an example? Well, that would be a message. So, like, you know, like if I was sitting there feeling really fed up, then one of the voices would start singing, I believe in miracles. And it's sort of to make me laugh. Yeah, it's really sweet. And it's to sort of say, hang on in there, darling. It's going to be okay. You know, it'll be all right. So it's to sort of make me laugh, cheer me up. And I believe in miracles. Where you're from, you sexy thing. That's a wrap. (laughs) I do. It's a wrap. Um, Jackie, are you happy? Yeah. I know. Are you really happy? (laughs) No, I am. I'm good. uh, Yeah, I am. I I mean, it's quite strange to to be doing this, but no, I think that's. I think we've got. You know, it's it's close enough so that it will give people a sense of what it's like. I think so. Maybe get a bottle of wine, yeah? I don't know. I feel terrible. You know, because my song was calling St. George. Okay, so we end up calling him George. What about train tickets? Hearing the actors brought home how real voices are to voice hearers. You hear them through your ears, just like you hear any other voice. So if you were at a party or in a busy room, you wouldn't necessarily know if a voice was coming from inside your head or not. But why do some people hear voices when most people don't? How do they become part of somebody's psyche? Jackie has been hearing voices for as long as she can remember. She believes that the formation of her voices is linked to the severe abuse she experienced as a child. 
I've heard the same voices. I mean, I guess more have come as I've got older, but when I was a child, some of the first voices that I heard as a little girl are still the most sort of powerful presences in my life. You are a wonderful girl. And they all have a story, of course. And, and I love you. You know, one of the first voices that I heard when I was about three was this voice called the Great Mother. You are able for this. And she would come to me and I would see her and I would hear her and she was very beautiful and powerful and maternal, this sort of really powerful maternal force. You are a wonderful girl. Very calming and soothing. When she used to come to me as a little girl, it would it was often when I felt very lonely and, and I love frightened you. and she would come to me and say, I love you and I care for you and I'm going to protect you and keep you safe. And You're so brave. And now she'll say, things like you're a wonderful woman and I'm here for you and I'll always be here for you she's she's it's like unconditional love you're doing really well as a small child I just accepted her as as her um and I guess was grateful for her you're so strong uh, but as I got older I guess I wondered well where did she come from how did that small child create this being and I, yeah, I feel like maybe there is a kind of spiritual dimension to her presence in my life. You'll get through this. I will go outside. <laughs> well, I hear babies and, you know, for many years those babies were very distressed and very lonely and occasionally one of the babies will become distressed but then, as, as I would with one of my own children... I'll say, it's all right, sweetheart, I'm here and I love you. And, you know, and, and in my mind, I cuddle that baby and soothe that baby. And then I feel calmer too. So I guess it's, it's treating them as these, as real entities because they are to me. And I also hear an old man who's quite funny. He's, he's like a... Hang on a sec. Cockney geezer, you know, an East End man. And, and he's quite this jokey. Um, but I guess, you know, nice kind of characteristics of an older man really kind of wise and funny and quite reassuring you'll be all right darling for years i used to describe my experience of going to bed as like going to bed or, or crashing out at a party you know where you kind of crash out at a party where there's a kind of like lots of noise and activity going on around you so and i'd often wake up in the night and there'd be talking and and that was a problem, actually. That was difficult. Um, but again, I've done a lot of work now, particularly with the younger voices, um, and make sure they're settled and that they're, you know, like you would with a child. So, you know, we have our bedtime routine and get the little ones in bed and make sure everyone's settled down. And um, and my sleep has improved dramatically. And you don't have to give the cockney geezer a beer and a bag before you'll go to sleep. Right? <laughs> oh, he can sort himself out. <laughs> yeah, so some of them are, are less demanding than others. Absolutely. Some of them are, are adults and, and they can help me as well. It's not all down to me. You know, there's, a, you know, the great mothers, of course, fabulous at, at settling the children. And there's there's other parts of me that, that you know, are good at taking care of the children. Um, so we share it out. You'll feel better in the morning. If somebody had told me last year that they heard voices, I'd never have imagined that they had a cast of loving, largely supportive characters inhabiting their head. But the relationship Jackie has with her voices is complicated like any relationship, and it wasn't always so easy for her to coexist with them. I think the real turning point was when I had my first daughter. The experience of becoming a mother 
And I think seeing this tiny, tiny little helpless baby um, brought back memories of being very small and very helpless and vulnerable and then of the terrible things that happened to me. My voices became more intense. They became more disturbing. They were paranoid. They kept saying things to me like, somebody's going to hurt you, somebody's going to hurt the baby. Um, I began to see horrible images of things that had happened to me, happening to her, and the past and the present got really very muddled up, and it was a really, really terrifying time. And it was heartbreaking, really, because this kind of time in my life that had been idyllic was suddenly invaded by the demons from my past. But I think there was this kind of confusion about who's the baby and what's going on, and all of this stuff was swirling around. And I think the thing that really exacerbated it is I felt really, really ashamed and unable to talk to anyone about it. And managed to keep going um, until my daughter was a toddler and I became more exhausted and worn down. And then one day I woke up and the voices were saying, kill yourself, kill yourself. This is just utter torment because I really was just suffering so much. Kill yourself. I can't go on. Finish it. Finish it now. You're mad. And it's your own fault. Kill yourself. Just kill yourself. I came really the closest I've ever come to taking my own life. And I think that experience was so terrifying that I sought help. I phoned my doctor and she was really shocked because she knew the Jackie that was very calm and competent and who took her baby for her checkups and to have this you know utterly distraught person on the phone was really shocking for her she told me that I needed to come into hospital and I think because I was so utterly desperate and because I think I was trying to be responsible I was trying to seek help I agreed and off I went to the local psychiatric unit and it was like hell on earth. It was um, an old asylum. There were people that had been there many, many years. They were very institutionalised. They were very disturbed. There I was as a young woman. I sat on this acute psychiatric ward for days. Nobody really spoke to me apart from other patients saying, got a fag? And then after about five days of sitting on this ward, um, somebody came up to me and, and it transpired that he was a psychiatrist. He wanted to assess me. He took me off and asked me lots of questions about my family history of mental illness and na 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 na. And it was at this point that I knew I needed to tell somebody about the abuse that I'd experienced as a child. I'd never told anybody about it. And my voices were saying, don't tell. But um, I did tell this psychiatrist. Um, and I began to say, when I was a child, um, these things happened in my family. And um, began to tell him some of the things that had happened. And he looked really, really shocked. And as I was in the middle of beginning to tell him about these things, he interrupted me and said, Jackie, we've had lots of people in here talking about these kinds of experiences but when we get their families in and we all sit and talk about it together they see that this is just part of their illness 
and you are very sick. You have a psychotic illness. These things haven't actually happened to you. Um, and you're in the right place. We're going to take care of you. And I remember um, we were in this tiny little office, um, uh, which I think had formerly been a broom cupboard, and there was a filing cabinet behind him, and one of my voices started pick saying, up pick up the filing cabinet and drop it on pick his head. Pick up the filing cabinet and throw the, it on you his head. You know, utterly outraged. Pick up the filing cabinet and throw it on his head. And then this other voice, which, you know, is still there, which is, you know, very calm and just quite intellectual, just said, Jackie, Stand get up. out of that room now. Open just the get door out of the room now. And get out of the room now and I said to him I don't feel very well can we stop talking now and he said sure and I left that room and I walked down the corridor I went into the ladies bathrooms went into a cubicle and I smashed my head against the wall because I knew then that the place that was meant to provide me with safety and sanctuary was actually the place that was going to drive me over the edge Being believed, not being believed. What's real, what's not real. These are important issues for everyone, but they're critical for many people in psychiatric institutions. Discovering where your truth lies is one thing. Being brave enough to speak it and being believed when you do is another. But I felt so distraught about the the, the kind of response that I received and the... I felt outraged, actually. Part of me felt, well, I'm not the only one who's been trying to talk about these things. And actually, rather than treating them as real things that have happened, they're being turned into symptoms of an illness. And, you know, that felt for me like a crime. It felt like a huge insult to an existing injury. Um, And I felt then that if I get through this, I'm going to do what I can to make sure this doesn't happen to other people. That was in 1993. Jackie got out of institutional care by telling everyone that the voices had gone away. She went home and was never followed up. But the voices hadn't gone away, so she knew that she had to do something to deal with the distress that they were causing. She found a therapist to work with. And I was very lucky that the therapist that I worked with was really willing to go there with me. And we worked together for a number of years and really the work that we did, which was which was kind of just trial and error, was really about beginning to listen to the voices. Um, and, you know, initially I was really quite scared of listening to some of those voices because they were really terrifying and they were talking about awful things. But with his support... I began to be able to listen to the voices and they began to tell me the story of my life and help me really piece myself back together. By deciding to listen to the voices, Jackie and her therapist were going against all the conventional wisdom. Using medication to shut down the voices was seen as the only way to deal with voice hearing. Engaging with the voices and trying to understand what they had to say was a radical departure. But it was by finding meaning in the voices and understanding that they had important things to say to her that Jackie began to find peace. We're very playful. 
Because he really like play. Finally. I just wish Ooh, I never dreamed I'm made too. of this. Who am I to disagree? Oh, Don't forget about me. Jackie's personal journey was part of a wider movement that has gained momentum over the past 20 years. The Hearing Voices Network is established in 20 countries worldwide and its central mission is to support people who hear voices to find meaning in their experience. One of the ways this happens is through the establishment of support groups where people can safely explore their experience of hearing voices. At Jackie's DCU training, I met Bernie, who did this training last year and has since set up a group in Dublin One. Like many people, she has a personal reason for being involved. Well, as the mother of a voice here, of someone who spent 18 years in psychiatry and all of the, the only message I ever got was doom and gloom, that this was lifelong and he's never going to m- amount to anything, he's never going to work, he's never... We were just filled with despair. This, is, this has given us hope. You know, for the first time in 18 years, I'm happy, my son is happy, he's thriving, he's, he has hope and self-belief. I have the same. It's repaired our relationship as a family. And do you trace that back to this approach? Yes, definitely. It took a long time. It took a long time to persuade him to go because his attitude was, was, well, why should I believe that this approach will work any more than psychiatry? I've tried psychiatry for 18 years. No one wanted to talk to you. No one wanted to listen to you. No one looked you in the eye. They just, how are you, Grant? And there's your prescription. And if you mentioned anything about anything, they increased it. And I'm not anti-meds, but lots of people don't like being on them. This approach isn't for everybody either, because it means doing a lot of self, self-work self on yourself. And none of us like to do that, myself included. So, you know, we have to be offering people more than just pills. Pills are not the answer to life's problems. I mean, I have tinnitus. And when I first got it, I thought I was going insane. The noise literally drove me nuts. But I've had to learn to live with it and put up with it. And I think, that, you know... That's very minor, but it's, it's you know, it, giving them coping strategies and ways around working with, with, the, with the voices and changing the dynamics, changing the relationship with the voices. That's what it's about. Mm. Um, your son, if you don't mind me just asking, did, did he cease to hear voices or has he learned to live with his voices? He's in the process of learning to live with them, I would say. It's, he's working on it. But he's, he's better than he was. Oh, far, yeah, yeah. He's amazing. One of the things people worry about in relation to voice hearing is that the voices might be saying violent things and that that might lead to violent or aggressive behaviour. For some people, their voices are going to be saying scary things about hurting themselves or other people, although that doesn't mean they necessarily will. And in fact, many people have voices that are saying frightening things and they never act on them. And that actually far more crimes are committed by men who've had too much to drink. But, you know, it wouldn't have the same headline, you know, one drunken man beat up another drunken man. You know, it wouldn't, it's not as compelling. Um, there's, a, there's a difference between the voice saying something and then you choosing to do something. So it's about helping people to start making choices about what they do. At the end of Jackie's three-day course, there was one person I really wanted to speak to. Stephen agreed to chat to me just after we finished for the day. So you're someone who's heard voices? I've heard voices before, yeah. been hearing voices for 15 years. This, this uh, training course, it's a whole different way of looking at it and dealing with it. It's really new to me, very new to me, rather than the old way they used to teach. There's a few tablets, forget about them, don't listen to them, they go away. But with the new, with the 
the approach here is embrace the voices, listen to them, and don't just try and block them out because when you're trying to block them out, it's just so stressful and leads it to being ill then, like, you know. So are you finding this helpful then? I'm finding this very helpful, totally different way to looking at it to where I used to look at it, yeah, but very helpful. And would you be anxious at all about what might happen if you start listening to them more? Would you have any anxiety about that? No, because they're there anyway, and they don't go away when you tell them to. So it just seems so... uh, It's easier to listen to them, but it, it never occurred to me before until I'd done the group, you know? Like, for me, to be in the group today and say, I hear voices and give them a bit of my knowledge from hearing the voices, like... It's not a thing you talk about. And when you do talk about it, sometimes it drains you as well because you feel overexposed because that's the nature of the beast, like, you know? Absolutely. You're talking mm. about very personal stuff that yeah. people might be judging you on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Not might be, but definitely, like, that's just the way it is, you know? When you, re- when you do talk to somebody about it, you, do, you, you look that differently, you know? It's, 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 they don't look at you through the same ways, you know? And, like, when you know nothing about it, so I'd say I knew nothing about it maybe five years ago at all, and if I heard somebody heard voices, I would say, oh, so that means they're mad. Yeah. But would that be... Are there times where you hear voices but you don't feel mad? Yeah, I don't feel mad most of the time, and there is a lot of time I hear voices. But as I was learning on this course, it wasn't really learning, but it was pointed out to me. Lots of people throughout the ages have heard voices. Joan of Arc, Mohammed, Jesus, you know, they all heard voices, you know. That's it, yeah. So you don't have to be mad. You don't have to be mad, no. No. <laughs> it helps, though. <laughs> Hearing voices is something that I always thought of as a negative and distressing experience. And I always understood it as being directly related to madness. Having spent time with Jackie and met people with real experience of hearing voices, I can see that there's more to it than that. It's just not that straightforward. The idea that you're mad and in one box, or sane and in another box, has been turned on its head for me. At the start of this documentary, I never thought that the final question I'd be asking Jackie would be how would she feel if she woke up tomorrow and the voices were gone. I was just going to ask, what would it be like if you woke up tomorrow and there were no voices? I'd be pretty devastated. Well, I'd be be bewildered. Um... I mean, for me, it would be like waking up with no arms and legs or something, you know. It would be, it's just like a, a crucial part of me. Um, I was talking to somebody recently and, and he'd had a voice here and he'd had an experience of, of having anaesthetic and the voice is being gone. And I've had a similar experience as well, having an anaesthetic where there's just this utter silence inside. And I felt bereft, to be honest, because my voice is... They make me laugh, they're very funny, they're very insightful, they're very comforting. And it's like having a group of allies with me that love me and know me better than anyone else, and I'd be lost without them. It's only two nights, and you know they are safe. I need to think about that paper I have to write. There's milk in the fridge, is there milk in the fridge? We need to book a hotel for that Too much happening at school. Maybe I'll just so they meet up for a drink, right? Now during the year, and I love you. You're so brave. 